Welcome to the Northern Business Podcast. Each week we're talking to people active in business and all, all about the big issues driving growth in the north of England. Uh, we're sponsored by Virtue Motors, one of the UK's largest motor retailers. Check out its website at virtuemotors.com. I'm Graham Robb, owner of Recognition PR. We help scores of businesses promote their products and services. Some are featured on this podcast. Make sure you don't miss an episode by subscribing on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. In the studio today, we have Simon Priestley, his director at Savage Silk, a multidisciplinary legal firm offering comprehensive and friendly commercial and private client advice. And later, my colleague Josh Haverkin will be speaking with Fraser Brown, who is a friend of this podcast and the founder of Motivize. And we'll be talking about the latest EV rules, which are very interesting, actually, when it comes to uh, the state of the EV market in the UK. Now, we were going to be joined, and if you were looking at our trailers earlier in the week, by someone from the Mid-Yorkshire Chamber of Commerce, but sadly they're a bit poorly today, so they're going to join us uh, next week. So, Simon, welcome to the programme. First welcome. time on the podcast. Absolutely. Thank you for inviting me. Well, before we get into the nuts and bolts of what the economy is doing and business life, uh, tell us about your business, because although you're a lawyer, you're also in business. Yeah, again, I think it's um, when you be, when you're often start as a lawyer, you end up being a lawyer, but ultimately you aspire to be a business owner. Um, and for the last nine years, we've Savage Silk's been created and we've uh, gone from strength to strength. Started off uh, just me on my own. Um, now, nine years in, and there's just short 40 of us. A lot of professional firms now uh, are limited companies, but traditionally law firms and uh, accountancy practices were partnerships, old-fashioned partnerships. So you can think of it in Dickensian era with partner desks facing each other with quill pens. Um, but in the last 10, 15 years, limited liability partnerships and limited companies have been the vehicles for professional firms. Why has that come about? I think that the, originally, you, you know, your lawyers always aspired to be a partner because it was a partnership model. Um, 2007 Legal Services Act came in, which gave, gave rise to external investment. It gave rise to different structures that could be used. And lawyers being lawyers, it takes a number of years for us to get comfortable with that. Um, and I felt that that was the right model in terms of us going down a, a limited company route because um, it gives us the ability to bring in external investment. It gives us the ability to reward. And it also means from a tax perspective, we, we don't actually have to take all our money out in one go. We can leave it in and invest in the business to grow. And that's how we've done it over the last nine years. Well, you certainly have invested because you started in Newcastle and you started with you and then you had other people join. Yeah, yeah. Tell us about that uh, growth spurt and, and track it for us over the last nine years. Again, it's uh, it's been quite it's been quite quite an interesting journey when you set off and you start your business you turn around and go hang on this is what I want to do in year one two three um I look back now and the things that I set out we've we've done but in a very different way you know we looked there was uh, me starting <clears throat> excuse me there was me um on my own with uh, Helen who came and supported us now a director and runs the finance operation we were then joined by another partner We've then continued director. Yes, director. <laughs> no. But we caught but again to give some comfort, we call people partners right. as well. Um, but and they've joined us and we set off being a very niche firm in terms of we specialised in what we did, which was corporate and commercial work. But over the years we've added to that, so we're now a full service law firm. Now, we'll talk about the actual work and the state of the economy in a minute, because you, you are a good um, arbiter of the state of the economy. But let's just go back to this growth you said you recruited people mm -hmm. as partners 
Yeah. Uh, were they people who took a salary from you or did you invite them to invest in the business as well? Um, at the moment, what we've done is we've just invited them to become as salaried. Um, the, the general direction will be over a period of time as we get to a certain size that, that people will. And, and the people that we've, that have joined us, we've, again, one of the real reasons to start it was to try and grow and grow individuals and create a culture was different from other law firms and what we wanted to do was grow that culture so that people were really invested in and wanted to develop and grow and that's been really important to me as an individual um growing people and mentoring people so we've done that and now we're getting to the stage where we started them through that process and now they're becoming partners and therefore we're now we've even got some training next week about how we take them from managers to leaders to them business owners. So again, that's that's all part of the progression. And you've also done something else different in, in law. Most law firms are named after the people that founded them. There's, there are a lot of surnames in a row. Yeah. You've gone for this really quite quirky name, Savage Silk. Um, now, for me, that made me think of an aggressive barrister, but it wasn't that, was it, that you were... No, uh, it was it was very interesting. It was... we what Because we were... We knew that we were going to be a multidisciplinary firm and it, it was very much around getting away from the usual X and partners, Y and partners or legal firm. And we wanted to give it a different dimension because we, we appreciated we were wanted to be different and approach it differently. So we started off with the, with a different name. And it was interesting that um, I was just in contact with the guy who created the name only two or three weeks ago because there's something else I wanted to have a look at for a name. Um, and it was... And it was interesting because a lot of people often ask, where does the name come from? What what was it about? And it was just very much around trying to do something different. And, you know, you can look at Savage, you can look at Silk, they're both strong in different ways. They have you approach things differently dependent on what what's the outcome you need. You know, I'm not saying you have to be very savage, but or silky smooth, but you just have to adapt. And that's very much what we do as a business. We adapt and put clients at the centre of what we do. Now, we're having this conversation uh, in the middle of October, and uh, it's the, the, the Wednesday, the, the, the middle Wednesday of October, and today the inflation figures were announced, and they were 6.7%, which is the same as September. The, the other day, uh, the wage growth figures were announced, and they were 7.8%, and we've got interest rates at 5.25%. So these indices are now beginning to cluster a little bit. Mm -hmm. Although we'd like inflation down, I'm sure. Absolutely. What What do you think all of that says about the economy that you're inhabiting? Because as a lawyer, particularly on the corporate side, you'll be doing transactions which will become the companies and the deals that shape our future economy. Yeah, again, I think that we're certainly seeing that um, there's activity and you can look about where that's coming from and what's driving it. Um, and and it, there's a lot of activity up to the 10 million mark in terms of certainly the exposure that we're seeing in terms of corporate transactions and in terms of property deals. But again, I think, you know, looking at it as a business owner and wage inflation, you've got to then look at how you how you're balancing the books of the business and making sure that we are profitable, we are growing, but we're retaining money to invest back into the into the business. Now, I was looking in the newspaper today. At a, a report, this is in the business section, not front page and everything, and it's from somebody who is a Bank of England monetary policy economist. So she 
She is uh, on the uh, Bank of England Monetary Policy Committee. And uh, she was saying that it's very hard to imagine, I quote, it's very hard to imagine where further momentum in wage growth is coming from. And she feels that the labour market is loosening, there's an increase in vacancies, and that she was one of the people who voted against raising interest rates. And she's, I think, indicating that interest rates will probably stay where they are, mm-hmm. but stay where they are for longer. Mm-hmm. Now, if I was on the Monetary Policy Committee, I wouldn't be tempted to overreact to the inflation. I'd be tempted to keep it as it is. What mm-hmm. would you be tempted to do? I think at the moment, this, you've got to go through a stage of some stability and keep things as they are and look about where, you know what what's happening in the economy. You know, you, you, you mentioned about labour market loosening and things like that. You know, as a business, we're looking to recruit and finding quality people across the range is quite difficult. So you, when you look at that and then you look at lab, you know the, the market loosening, you're then seeing, well, hang on, where do we get to? What do we need to do? A period of stability, I think, is you know, not a knee-jerk reaction. Often just keep things as they are. And we're, at, we're in this period now. It's our half year coming up. You know, the year's been good so far. We just got to, we want stability. We don't want change. Now, we've got wage growth higher than inflation for the first time in many months. Mm-hmm which is good for people in the workforce. It's also, it needs to cluster around it so there's not too much of a difference. But um, the loosening of the market is also important because you and I, who are employers, Mm -hmm. can't constantly afford above inflation pay increases. No, not at all. Do you agree with her when she said she can't see where the momentum is coming from for more wage growth? Yeah. Where's it coming from? Because ultimately... You've got to look at the fact of how your business is structured. You, if you are continually, if if wage inflation is outperforming it or out increasing it, then ultimately you're you're at that stage where it's going to affect your level of investment in the mm-hmm. business, the level of profit. Well, you need profit and investment to continue to develop the economy. I mean, that's the core thing, isn't it? I mean, mm-hmm. Quite often, when you see the narrative put on broadcast television, you know, it's about people who. But companies made a profit, the workforce get a pay increase, which is all well and good and understandable. Rising tide lifts all boats and all mm-hmm. that. But the retention of profit is equally important for future growth. Yeah. And again, and I think it goes back to your earlier question around, you know, the structure of your business. If we were a, if we were a partnership, you would be taking that money out or leaving less in to invest, whereas we leave more in and that that has enabled us to invest and grow over the last nine years. Obviously, this week, uh, and we're not a political program with a capital P, but in geopolitics, the Israeli and uh, Palestinian conflict has emerged big time uh, with what's happened with the Hamas attack and the Israeli retaliation. But in the context of business, uh, I offer this observation, see what you think. The oil price hasn't spiked tremendously as a result. It's gone up to 92 pence per barrel for Brent crude. And in previous conflicts in the Middle East, it's gone up significantly, which has filtered through to inflation and a tightening of our economies. Mm-hmm. Again, I think that it's an interesting observation. And uh, until you just mentioned it there, I wasn't aware of that. But you look back last year in terms of where the, where the prices were, it was a lot higher. So therefore, you've got to look at how that balances out and the impact that the, you know this, this really difficult situation is is uh, it's not having that detrimental effect on 
the economies at the moment. I went to see a film last weekend, the, the story of Golda Meir and the Yom Kippur War, uh, which was 50 years ago. And I was only a little boy. I, I was nine or 10 around that time. And um, I remember, because we were told at school, that oil price was put up by the Arab nations of OPEC as a way of having an influence on that conflict. Um, and of course, last year, the oil price went up as a way of Putin having an influence on his conflict. But this conflict that's emerged in the Middle East last week hasn't had that pressure. And I think we, we hopefully that will be the case. Famous last words, who knows what will happen in the next few weeks. But if, if, it, if, if wise heads prevail and maintain a stable output of oil, then we'll at least be able to not have widespread economic calamity. Yeah, because again, you, the impact that uh, an increase in oil price would have, it's going to have a, then an impact on the economy as, as a whole in terms of all of the number of the figures you've just been talking about there in terms of there are going to be pressures that are going to drive that up that then could get the uh, Monetary Policy Committee looking at whether they should increase the rates. And... Okay, all links in. Well, Simon, we, we'll just close by asking about the future of the firm. You've told us the journey you're on. You're multidisciplinary, doing all sorts of things from house sales to commercial uh, commercial transactions. Um, is the expansion geographical? Is it in size of uh, fee earners? Is it where, where do you expand? How do you do that? Again, I think the um, we have got some ambitious targets to grow the business over the next two or three years. We're looking at you know getting on to we've got there's forty of us about now. We're looking to get certainly to sixty plus. Uh, and again, we're we're not. One of the things we've always looked at is it's finding the right people. And sometimes you will get people that come in and come out because when they join you, and we are a different firm, and we look differently, and we, we react differently, that that gives people a different impression about what we're doing. And it is difficult, and we're going to be doing it, but we're going to be growing in the two regions in Newcastle we, so that we complement the work that we do. So if we have a strong commercial property team in Newcastle, we want to develop one down in Teesside. And Teesside over spills into Yorkshire. And Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, Simon, uh, the very best of luck in your relatively new venture. The relative. And it's called Savage Silk. And thank you very much for coming in. Thank you. Now let's turn to my colleague, Joss Havikin, and see who he's been talking to this week. Thank you, Graham. Today I'm joined by Fraser Brown, who is the founder and managing director of Motivize. It's an automotive consultancy helping dealerships and motor retail professionals across the world to maximize their productivity and ultimately profitability. Thank you for joining us, Fraser. No problem at all. So I've got to ask, where are you in the world today? Because I see some very nice cars behind you. Yeah, we're actually in the United Arab Emirates. We're at a car showroom in Dubai, doing some work with them and just to do exactly what you just described, improve profitability and customer service. Excellent. And now it is actually overseas um, trading that we want to talk about today, because there's been some talk of some new tariffs that might be introduced between the UK and the EU next year. Could you outline what that means for us, please? Yeah, so we've known this has been coming for quite some time now, and it's all about rules of origin and making sure that the vast majority of vehicles that are, are the vast, vast majority of the content of a vehicle that is going to be sold within the EU is sourced from within the EU uh, to help it avoid tariffs. Now, this was originally kind of highlighted as an issue around Brexit, um, but actually this is not just going to be an issue that affects UK manufacturers it's also going to affect the likes of German manufacturers. And the mm. reason is that a significant percentage of the car, 
that is sold within this the whole of the EU and within the UK has to be sourced from within uh, within the trading block, effectively. Now, we have a major issue, and that is that electric vehicles are now really starting to take off across uh, all of the EU, and particularly in the UK, um, and we're not able to source batteries to the extent that we require within the EU. And as a result of that, we're going to have to source significant percentages of the cost of a vehicle from outside the EU because we simply can't supply within the EU. And a battery is a significant um, percentage of the cost of a vehicle. It's a very large kind of chunk, probably around a third. Um, and as a result of that, um, you know, the, the electric vehicles, we're going to put ourselves, our own domestic manufacturing within the UK and Europe, at a huge disadvantage by penalising ourselves for not sourcing what we need within the EU when we can't get it. It's it's almost like causing an own goal. So what will be the knock-on effect for, for British drivers if this was to go ahead? Well, the biggest impact is going to be that we're going to give advantages to Chinese imports, um, which seems absolutely nuts. And the second thing that's going to happen is we're going to see significant increases in the cost of European-produced battery electric vehicles. We may see £6,000 increases in, in battery electric vehicles within the within the UK, um, which is absolutely nuts, if you ask me. And, and I don't know how any rational government, whether that's the UK government or the EU, could even think about letting this go ahead on the 1st of January. So what's the solution from, from your perspective? What needs to happen? Is it an extension? Is it a new deal? Or is it just, you know, ramping up British manufacturing? So I think there's a whole range of things. First of all, we need some incentives from the government um, around electric vehicles uh, for consumers. Second thing we need is we need some financial support for the production uh, of batteries and other components for electric vehicles to be produced within this country. Um, I think we've got our first one or two uh, plants coming into the UK that will produce batteries. Batteries just it's not just one plant, it's a huge ecosystem that we need to produce electric vehicles and to produce the elements that go into batteries. And, and the ecosystem doesn't just involve manufacturing, it also includes raw materials. And, and that's a whole supply chain that, okay. to be honest, Chinese were on with this 10 years ago, taking over um, mines and things in the likes of Africa um, because they could see this coming on the track. We haven't done that, and it's a real shame. Absolutely. And the, the factory that you mentioned um, in the UK is up near me in the northeast at Sunderland, right next to Nissan, obviously a huge heritage of, of car making in the area. Now, you do work across the world. You're in Dubai, and I know you're flying off all over the place. Um, what are the saying about this? Well, the impact on German manufacturers will be the same as it will be for the UK. So, you know, it's they, we're all in the same boat. So this isn't the EU imposing a penalty upon the UK. This is the EU and the UK together imposing a, a horrendous own goal on our entire um, automotive manufacturing supply chain um, for those that are going to be producing electric vehicles, which is what we want to incentivize, not disincentivize. So, you know, this is not just the UK. It's not just the, um, the production here, but production and supply and ultimately will have a negative effect on on sales as well because if if we have to absorb these costs which are effectively tariffs 
then that, that will have to be passed on to consumers. So we'll see a reduction in demand, which is exactly what we don't want to achieve because we're trying to achieve net zero goals. So it, it's it just beyond words. And I don't think they will stick to their guns. The solution is, is an extension um, and an extension, I would suggest, a couple of years because to get the infrastructure around us to produce batteries for electric vehicles, it's going to take that kind of time period. Well, we've seen with some of these Brexit hangover deals that quite often there is a last-minute intervention which either solves a problem either completely or most of the way or an extension, like you said, to give people more time to get sorted. Listen, Fraser, thank you very much for your time today. Um, we're going to go back to um, Graham now in the studio and uh, hope you enjoy the rest of your time in Dubai. It looks like it's a bit nicer weather than it is up here today. Thanks very much. Thank you very much, Josh. Always great to see Josh interviewing people with something very interesting to say in Fraser comes on this podcast regularly and he's very well informed on what's happening in automotive. Now, if you'd like to join us as a guest on the Northern Business Podcast, I'll be tagging my colleagues on LinkedIn, so feel free to get in touch. Uh, you can also contact Recognition PR directly and uh, it'd be great to hear from you. The next time on the Northern Business Podcast, we will be talking to someone from the Mid-Yorkshire Chamber of Commerce who was due on today. And we've got all sorts of other guests who know what's happening in business and enterprise in the north of England. Never miss an episode. Like, rate and subscribe on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts.